What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast on this wonderful Friday, TGIF. The championship series is all going on like craziness, and we're just talking about the Reds and what they're going to do this offseason. Joining me on today's podcast will be the man in charge of the Red Reporter. He is Wick Terrell. It's been a while since we've had Wick on. I'm kind of sorry about that. No real reason for it other than just me being forgetful and not having Wick on to talk Reds, but we are going to wrap up a the season and look at the offseason that's coming a very important offseason for this Cincinnati Reds franchise as they gotta rekindle something going on with this team we'll talk about that here in just a minute on the Lockdown Reds podcast that's brought to you by Spotify Green Room download the Green Room app today and you can join rooms all over the league talking about the Reds talking about all kinds of different teams with other fans players and media types alike that's the Spotify Green Room app they're changing the way that we talk sports. All right, let's get going. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, without further ado, let's bring him in. He's the dude in charge of the Red Reporter. He is Wick Terrell. Wick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. It's, uh, I'm trying to think I've, I was almost before the season that I, I, I had you on last time. So I'm sorry about that. No real reason to keep me off the show. We, we, uh, man, what a season it was. Maybe that was the thing. Maybe I was just trying to process what was going on and I had to do some internal looking, you know, you get to a point where the season's amazing and you're thinking, yes, this is a playoff team. And then it all comes crashing out from under us, but we all know that. I mean, how did you view this season? Because I've gotten a lot of takes from outside points of view, like guys who watch other teams, guys who watch the whole league. And they're all just like, for a long time, the Reds were playing out of their shoes and they kind of came back down to earth in a very dramatic way. How, how did you perceive 2021? Yeah, no, it was interesting. We, we, we started looking back, back at what we normally write about every uh, September. And we were kind of low on content this year because engaged towards the next year playing some meaningful baseball or trying to at least. And I think that was the biggest takeaway from this particular season is that um, they tried to be good. Um, and I don't know what's winning when you look back over the last five, six years of Cincinnati Reds baseball because there were so many seasons where they were deliberately trying not to be good. And we're good at that. They were very good at not being good. Um, they tried to be good this year. <laughs> And didn't quite get over the hump, so I don't really know what's more frustrating: it's the uh, the never try or the try and fail aspect of it. But um, I do think there were definitely significant takeaways from this season. You know, uh, the youth movement that they had at the same time, seeing some of the players turn back the clock a little bit, uh, was a very interesting combination because you had had some nostalgia with Joey Votto doing what he did, but also some some optimism. Uh, Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson, even Vladimir Guerrero, kind of take those step forwards as rookies. So um, it was. Um, it was a fun year. Um, it, it I, I don't really know exactly how I'm reacting to it still at this point, to be honest, because I think it's in many ways it could be a transitional year for this Reds roster. And there's a lot of different ways they could go with it. And that's the one thing that trying to get a read on where the Reds think the Reds are has been what's more difficult for me because you just don't know if they're going to be willing to take uh, that next step forward after seeing all the successes they had through most of this season. That's what makes me wonder, and I know that uh, 
most people I think are kind of in the middle, but I have seen the spectrum of people who think that this team is really, really good and doesn't need to do very much. And then I've also seen plenty of people that are just like, this is a rebuild waiting to happen. I'm somewhere in the middle. I feel like they can make a couple of moves and really build on this team, especially with the young core of guys that they've got in uh, Ladello and green coming up and India and Stevenson already here. Now you Obviously need a few more people to fill out a baseball team, but I feel like those are great dudes to start with. And last week I had said something to the effect of, you know, watching Mookie Betts through these playoffs and how he has helped the Dodgers. I think that the Reds have a game-changing type dude. They just have to build around him, and that's Jonathan India. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself by saying something like that, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like he has the makings of being that catalyst at the top of the lineup that the Reds really haven't had throughout my entire lifetime. Is that like two out there? Um, I mean, Mookie Betts is hands down one of the two or three best baseball players in the game. If the Reds can get anything close to that out of India, um, I, obviously it would be a, a, a development that would that would fuel them for the next, I was going to say decade, but for at least the next six years before he would reach free agency if they don't sign him long term. Um, okay. But uh, no, I agree with you. There's, there's aspects of him that he brings to the table. He brings the on-base ability. He brings the, uh, the flair on the bases. He he brings the ability to kind of shake things up, both in the field itself. Um, uh, a solid defender who I think is just going to get better the more time he plays at second base. A piece around whom I think you can build. And I think that was the um, uh, one of the, the biggest takeaways from this particular season is that uh, you knew you were looking at another infielder, whether it ended up being a third a shortstop or second base. You had to develop one of those from within. You got that into India and the rest of the infield on the place after that. Um, so what Tyler Stevenson did behind the plate, knowing where Tucker Barnhart is and his contract status and we're 31 years old, you needed to solve whether or not it's going to be a piece that you could build around there also. Uh, I think the Reds, that's the biggest thing that I, I kind of get with where this Reds club is. And when I said kind of a transitional year earlier, what it meant was um, they found out that they can be pretty good with what they've got, but they also very very much identified what they don't have. This isn't a club where you you go into the offseason and you're like, well, I don't know, hopefully this works out there, and we're not sure what we're going to get there. No, you know what the Reds are good at right now. They've got a lot of starting pitching, pitching down, pitching down as any team in baseball heading into there. Um, and you've got young pieces to build around. A lot of money tied up in infielders you can't really move, but then you've got to fix the bull to fix the outfield. And that's where I think this Reds club is interesting. Because it's not five or six different things that could be what they need to fix. The question is, Gonna need to edit that out a little bit. Kind of cut out on me. <laughs> you were you were about to say the question yeah, I, uh, I is yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I I'm getting all sweaty over here and really it's just cause this workout that I just had, I mean, you, you might be able to relate. It was cheese, pizza, pepperoni, pizza, cheese, pizza. And it just, you get really sweaty when you do that. So, uh, no, I, I do agree with you there and, 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 you know, bad inner stupid internet aside, stinking uh, technology. Uh, when we look at this team, I think that there's so much to build on it. And you look at, 
the young guys and the bullpen, obviously it was something they entered this season as a problem, as a question mark. And we're entering another off season with that as the question mark. And I don't think that you have to go nuts and get like five or six guys, but man, if you can bring in two really strong arms, everything else sort of falls into place. I, I think they've got a lot of middle relief slash slash set up guys. Let's say it right. Slash set up dudes who with the right dude at the top of the pyramid would be phenomenal. And I tell you what, I want to, I want to break that down a little bit more coming up here in just a minute, uh, because this bullpen is something that we've seen throughout these playoffs is uber important. Like, and, and I don't know that that's a revelation to any baseball fan that's watched any amount of baseball during their lives. They all know if you've got a good bullpen, you got a good shot at the playoffs. I, I just think that they, for some reason, four went that last season, and they understand if they forego it another offseason, there's going to be some uh, really frustrated fans. And I want to break that down a little bit more here in just a moment. But before we talk about that, though, I want to let you know, Wick, and for everybody else out there, when we're talking about slow, that's just right. If you're on vacation, if you're a sloth, or, you know, if you're describing QuickBooks, more like slow books. It sucks you in and slows you down with manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays and leaves you scrambling for the numbers you need. Now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system, because NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Look, I know I'm not really like a crazy CEO business type, but I know good stuff when I see it. NetSuite is good. It's everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time, no matter how big your business grows. Failing to switch to NetSuite will leave you stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead, not run, not jog, sprint ahead. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control when switching to NetSuite. And right now, special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash locked on right now. Get special financing at NetSuite.com slash locked on. NetSuite.com slash locked on. And one other thing, I know that talking about money isn't uh, always gauche, but you know what it is? Chocolate. And built bars loaded with it. A hundred percent chocolate is made into these bars and they're protein bars that are healthy for you, but also a great snack as well. You can elevate your snack game to the major leagues, but also be healthy as well. Because with that 100% real chocolate, we're talking about 120 to 130 calories, like four grams or less of fat and sugar and up to 18 grams of protein stuff that I eat. Every so often, if I'm on the go and I just didn't have time to grab like a breakfast burrito or something, then I'm grabbing me a built bar because it, it helps me get there. Now, I'm not saying I'm kind of a big dude. I'm not really saying that it's like a meal, but it'll hold you over. All right. It, it's a good meal, uh, not replacement, a meal crutch. Is that the right word? Maybe get you there. Uh, whatever. I don't know. I'm making up words here. Built Bar. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your next order. Elevate your snack game with Built Bar at built.com and the promo code locked on. All right. I meant to be more conversational there and make you feel more awkward there, Wick. I'm sorry about that. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's uh, <laughs> let's move from talking about snack food and financial programs to uh, the bullpen for the Cincinnati Reds because I, I, Luis Sessa, Lucas Sims, uh, Justin Wilson, guys like that, and they're losing Michael Lorenzen and Michael Gibbons. But when you look at the guys who are staying, you like them in the fifth, sixth, seventh innings, things like that. But when it really comes down to it, can anyone on this roster be deemed a closer slash ace of a bullpen? Yeah, it's almost like those pieces are a, a bullpen crutch and not a pin replacement. Um, <laughs> there it <laughs> no. is. Um, no, I, I think the Reds need to address the bullpen. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. I think it's something that they've needed to do for a while, but I think it kind of it, it hinges on what they want to do with the rotation. And I think that's a good thing to have, but something they've got to be definitive about. I mean, you've got the entire rotation coming back. Like that's very few teams that were successful in the 2021 season and I'm counting the Reds as being successful teams that were decent enough during the season and are also bringing back all of their starting pitchers. The Reds are doing that. And they have two of the top 20 prospects in the game who pitched in AAA and are supposed to be ready at some point next year. I think that's one of those aspects the Reds really have to kind of drill down and find out how much can you expect out of Hunter Green or Nick Lidolo next year? If you think they can be, pieces on the big league roster, then you got to build around them accordingly. You can't keep five other starting pitchers and expect them to be starters and roll in and have everybody pitching out of place. Otherwise you're shoehorning them into other roles or trying to ask them to be relievers or whatnot. If you want to bring them up as relievers and start them that way, not something I think is the best path to take, but it's something they um, build around, find out, know how much you can count on those guys because um, on a team that's going to operate on a budget the way that they always do, if you've got that much money also tied up in the starting rotation and you've got needs in the bullpen, what role those two guys are going to play, that can allow you to kind of make some moves and free up spots to build in that bullpen. But I think they do know very well <laughs> that the bullpen is a spot they've got to address. Um, Sess is a good piece. I like the way he pitched last year, um, a guy who I think they can lean on going forward, but not a closer. I think you still need to find that back-end guy, especially with no Lorenzen around anymore also, um, and, and make a way to to deal with that and then work backwards from the bullpen. Let's, let's point that out because there are a couple of guys who are leaving this team, and I want to know – Look, I, I understand, and we talked about this off air before we started recording, but I understand everyone's trepidation and feeling like the Reds front office isn't going to do anything. I join that that chorus of people that is worried that this team might just sit on their hands on the other side of the coin here. I want to pretend like they're actually going to do something. So if they're going to do something, and if Wick Terrell, your name was actually Nick Crawl, and you actually <laughs> lived here in Cincinnati and not the wonderful state of Colorado, which one day I will visit. Um, what would you do with guys like Lorenzen, uh, Givens? What would you do with uh, Tucker Barnhart and Wade Miley guys with options who are leaving this ball club who maybe they're somebody that you want to retain, but do those guys fill any? Uh, Wade Miley, I think, is a guy that I would start with. Would you keep him? I think you pick up his option for sure. I mean, for 10 million bucks, even though he's going to be 35 years old next year, I think he's a guy who is worth that salary. The question is, does he fit into your plans? Um, when you've got guys like Luis Castillo, who's going to be getting a pay raise significantly, Tyler Malley as well through arbitration, Sonny Gray still under contract. That's a lot of money tied up in the top end of a rotation. Uh, I think Wade Miley's worth that. Do you pick it up and then try to trade him? Or do you pick it up and then try to move one of the other guys uh, to kind of sort that out? I don't think you just let him walk. I don't think you buy him out for a million bucks. He's better than that. Somebody else is going to 
be be willing to be interested in him if you aren't at that. I don't think you can simply just let him walk. And I think that's kind of a parallel to what what the larger discussion here is, is that, you know, baseball teams have been operating under these pandemic conditions and reduced revenues and reduced payrolls for the last year, year and a half. I think you have to enter this offseason realizing the teams are going to be willing to spend a little bit more this winter than they were this time last year. And with fans back in stands and teams making more money again, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a ramp up than last year. I don't think you can afford to be just as frugal as you were this time last winter and the Rice Iglesias deal, which was a pure salary dump. Uh, I think if that deal went down in these current conditions, the Reds would have had a lot more power in that regard. Uh, you don't just cut Archie Bradley under these offseason conditions the way you did last year. $10 million bucks for Wade Miley, that, that's a much more appropriate price for him. I think the same goes for Tucker Barnhart. You know, I think Tucker could be a very big piece for this Reds club next year. If you don't pick him up for $7.5 million, you're going to have to solve the catching position somehow because for as good as Tyler Stevenson is, He's not catching 162 games. Hopefully he's not catching 120 games. You're getting somebody else who can kind of rotate through there. Um, both guys who I think you have to pick up. That said, that's 17 and a half million bucks for the Reds. That's a lot of money. If you're going to spend there, you're going to have to sort it out elsewhere. But I think those are two pieces you absolutely have to keep control over. Um, and they do that, and then they sort it out after the fact. I think about Tucker, the reason that you keep him is that you can also use Stevenson at first base. Um, I think everybody kind of knows that the DH is coming. And I think that the two guys on this roster who should pretty much monopolize time there are Joey Votto and Jesse Winker. Uh, I don't know exactly how you play that because it's not really a platoon because they're both left-handed. But for the fielding aspect of things, those are the two guys who you are better off. And I know that Joey's had some nice games, but he also kind of had some rough games too. And I think one more offseason of getting Stevenson comfortable at first base, he could really start to become a good fielder there and you extend his career because his value's at the plate. It's not behind the plate. It's at the plate. It's kind of the opposite of Tucker. Not to say that Stevenson is a bad fielding catcher. I've seen plenty of those. I think he's better than a lot of guys that I've watched on different teams. But I also think that you don't want to just hand the keys over because I thought maybe uh, Colesvary or somebody like that might be ready. But I agree that he is a terrible hitter. So it's not something that you're really comfortable handing him the keys next year. So I think that Tucker is uh, definitely worth keeping. If uh, if it's seven and a half million or if maybe they can negotiate like a multi-year deal for four or five or six million, something like that, they're not going to make him three million because he made three point seven five with four hundred incentives, according to spot track last year. So he's definitely not taking less money, especially for a dude who if it weren't for Jacob Stallings, I'd say he's a shoe in for gold glove. Jacob Stallings might end up winning it, but he's definitely got a real shot at that. So I, I agree with you. You got to you got to find a way to keep Tucker around Cincinnati. Yeah, for sure. And, and you almost have to look at it at the position as a whole as well. And the, the Reds are fortunate in that regard that, you know, Tyler Stevenson is still making a rookie salary or the league minimum salary to invest roughly 8 million bucks and get the catcher position and have it be as rock solid as it is. And pieces that are as complimentary as they are with Tucker now hitting just left-handed and Tyler Stevenson hitting right-handed as well. Um, it really does form a great combo. You look at some of the 
the better catching positions out there across the league and what those teams are paying those guys to do that. Um, it's kind of a bargain to have those two guys and just know you're not going to have to worry about that position whatsoever. Um, I, I think it's the right way to go. Um, and it's, it's, it's just really kind of, it locks down a very core piece of this particular roster. Not to mention, we mentioned all the pitchers are coming back. Um, at least under this current scenario, they all pitched very well with that catching combination. Also, it kind of keeps yes. that entire dynamic together. And I don't think it's, it's not an exorbitant price to pay to keep that entire portion of your roster uh, stabilized and, and plus according, or at least in relation to the rest of the, uh, uh, the batter across baseball. We're going to have some fun with a couple of bold predictions here in just a minute, looking at this off season. And I got a random question to ask you. That's not baseball related that we will have here in uh, one moment. Before we get into that though, I wanted to let you know about betonline.ag. You can make some money off your sports knowledge today over there by setting up your profile with the promo code locked on, and you'll get a hundred percent more on your initial deposit. Wait, I said that like really matter of factly. 100% more. Because if you give 100, they'll give you 100. If you give 200, they'll give you 200. And you can start betting on some sports action at the only online sports book that I trust. And you've got MOB playoffs still going on. You've got NFL, NCAA football. Basketball is getting going right now. And you've got uh, college basketball that's not far behind. And hockey as well. Although I, I got to say, as much as I love watching hockey, I don't know enough about it to uh, really be confident putting a, a bet down. But you might be, uh, and and Wick, you might be as well. I mean, the Avs are like really good. I, the little bit that I've watched them, they know how to play hockey, and they might be worth betting on. I don't know. Uh, so go over to betonline.ag, set up your profile, type in that promo code locked on, and get a hundred percent more. Add it on to your initial deposit and get on, uh, get off the bench and get in the game with betonline.ag. Yeah, I've watched a little bit of the abs and oh my gosh, like that was, that was crazy hockey right there. <laughs> they're, they're a fun team. The games are fun to go to. They, they play fast, which is always a really fun brand of hockey to play. Um, yeah, they're, they're super entertaining. I wish I knew more about them, but each time I have watched them, it's been, it's been a blast having Nathan McKinnon around town has been been big for the city too because it's a it's a fun hockey environment out here. But the ads need to be good to kind of promote it, and uh, they're back, which is it's been fun to watch that around here, no doubt. It's good to see. And all right, so when it comes to the Reds being interesting this offseason, there's only really a couple of moves that they need to make that I think the fan base would get behind this team again because right now everybody's sort of timid around the reds they're like ooh, i don't, I don't know like uh, wh what's the future hold so i want to ask you this and it can be off the rails because i want to preface this by saying these are bold predictions i just want one uh because i i gave a couple of bold predictions before the season and one ended up being true and joey Votto having an ops plus of 130 or greater so i'm like well maybe i got something here um when it comes to the Reds in this offseason, whether it be a trade, whether it be a signing, whether it be a departure, what is one bold prediction that you have? One bold prediction I have, I think we will see one big contract extension from the Reds, uh, something that they used to do a lot of and have not done for the last multiple seasons, in case you haven't noticed. And that's part of the reason why. Their arbitration class is very big and getting very expensive quickly. I think you will see one of Tyler Malley or Luis Castillo extended. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's going to be Luis Castillo. I think the Reds are going to invest in him and pay him what it takes to keep him around. I 
as a parallel to that, also think they will trade Sonny Gray this offseason. Um, okay. Not necessarily something I think I would do if I was pulling the strings, uh, but this is a club that operates on a budget, and you talk about investing that kind of money. I think they will leverage that type of talent in the rotation to go out and get a young outfielder. I find that uh, to be really reasonable, to be honest with you. When I look at Sonny Gray, I, that's not bold. It's, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is bold. Because here's the thing: when I look at Sonny Gray, I I know what he can be. I know what he's shown, but he has also shown to be injury prone. I know that that's almost an insult nowadays, but. <laughs> I wonder because you've got the back, you've got the knee, you've got the arm. It's just one thing after another seems to be building on each other. And the thing that I can't get out of my head is in spring training, whenever they talked about the back injury, he used the words, not, not Nick crawl, not David bell, not a trainer. Sonny used the words. It's something I'm always going to have to deal with. And that in and of itself scares the hell out of me. And you're right. There's a lot of money tied up in him. And maybe, it would be prudent. And I know that there were rumors last year that they were thinking about it, but maybe it would be prudent, especially if he can get an outfield bat to explore that kind of a trade. He's kind of a before his time pitcher. You know, he throws a lot of pitches. Yeah. He gets a lot of strikeouts. He doesn't go deep into games. He'll get you 25 ish starts a season, which in the modern era of baseball, that's kind of what your prototypical number two, number three starter is these days. There are very few workhorses out there. Um, he's not one. He's very good at what he is, though. And I think that's the one aspect about it that I think still has a lot of value on this uh, this particular trade market this winter. On top of that, you look at where the Reds have their money tied up. Guys like Mike Moustakis, guys like Eugenio Suarez didn't have very good seasons the last year, year and a half. Um, Joey Votto is obviously not getting moved. If the Reds are going to try to move – some of the players they have, they're making good money off of their roster right now who have actually lived up to their contracts. Sonny Gray is one. And we talked about the pitching depth that this Reds club has. If you've got Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo there, I, I think Sonny's one of the very few players they have who they can move all the money off the, con off the contract off of their payroll, get something good back in return for him, and still be able to move forward in a very proactive way. So I think he's probably the best trade chip, realistic trade chip they've got of their veteran players. Uh, it just seems to me like a move that these kind of Reds, this kind of club would make. And uh, you look up at clubs like maybe maybe the Atlanta Braves, who now has a club of outfielders uh, uh, after making their additions at midseason. A bunch of young, talented outfielders, Drew Waters, Christian Pache as well, uh, trying to make a move in some one of those regards and get an established outfielder for the next five, six, seven years um, for a guy that you can kind of, in theory, replace from within with what your top prospects are. It just seems like a move they might, they might try to consider. So maybe that's not so bold. Maybe that just makes sense, right? No, no, I, I I'm with you. I, I like it. And I like the extension for Castillo because that's something that they absolutely have to do. I, I felt like it was something they should have done last off season as well. But when I look at it, I think if I were to give a bold prediction and I put us both on the spot, which by the way, you did a lot better at this than <laughs> I was. I've, I've had this time to think and I still haven't come up with a super bold prediction. I think the bold prediction that I have is that they will acquire an outfielder to replace Castellanos. I don't think that they're keeping him. I, I, and I don't think that that 
is a new uh, idea. I, I think most Reds fans have worried about this pretty much since they started collapsing there at the end of August and into September is like, oh, well, Castellanos is gone. Castellanos, I think, was probably going to be gone anyway if if they made the playoffs. But I think that he is going to get an offer of like 22, 23 million per for like three or four years. And I just think that the Reds don't have any appetite to match that kind of a deal. I, I think that Castellanos... People are like expecting like, oh, he said all these really awesome things and he loved playing for Cincinnati. Well, there was a former pitcher who won a very prestigious award that also said these same things, but ultimately got offered way too much money for the Reds to match. And whether or not he gave them the first right of refusal was kind of moot because they were like, that's great. You have fun over there. They're probably going to say that to Castellanos, too. And. I've loved his time here and I wish he would remain a red, but I think that they are going to look for a replacement, whether it be on the free agent market. I've seen people float the name of Jorge Soler and guys like that out there. That's a possibility. Or maybe they go and they make that big trade, whether it's Sonny Gray or some other people that are involved to bring in another guy you're probably not getting Cassianos himself, but maybe a different mold of an outfielder that's going to nail down. And I almost, I almost wonder if they look for a center fielder this time because they've built a roster around corner outfielders and quarter infielders. And I think that they understand that that's not a good way to do business. I, uh, I wrote an article earlier this week looking at the Reds' lack of base running ability and lack of speed and lack of running at all. Uh, the team stole 36 bases all year. Dead last in all of baseball. Well, of those so, were India. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and they still managed to get thrown out the 11th most in all of baseball. So we're steals <laughs> and a terrible steal percentage. Um, you look at the guys they had in the outfield, their outfield defense was uh, the second worst in all of baseball. Um, you look up at where they could address things on the margins and try to get better without just spending a lot of money on a guy who hits a lot of home runs. Um, speed and defense and addressing outfield defense is something I think they can try to improve on. I almost would prefer – they go after a guy who can play a very good center field. If it's a guy who can still hit a little bit also, and you take that, uh, that, that, that lump on not having the Castellanos bat in the lineup, but get a little bit better elsewhere, including on defense. I think center field is a spot where they could really stand to upgrade. And that makes you wonder what they did at the end of the last season. If that was something that they were legitimately <laughs> considering with Jose Barrero getting a lot of time in center field, because I feel like he's the kind of guy, if he turns into what he can be offensively, could be that kind of profile player. I don't I don't think I like that idea. It'd be great if they had two of them and one could play shortstop and one could play center field. Um, but the concept of getting a guy who's a very athletic, very plus defender in center field who can still hit a little bit also um, might be the better way to go for the next three or four years down the road, I think. I I agree. And um and I got that weird off the beaten path question to ask you in just a minute. But before I ask you that, um Nixon's all part of this equation at all. I think Nixon's like you you uses your insurance policy and I don't think you can plan around him anymore. Um yeah. you know, we talked about the idea that the DH might be in the National League next year. It's kind of counterintuitive at the start, but the more you think about it, the more versatility you have that fits better with a DH than it does without it, because that means you can rotate a guy through the DH every single day. You got a guy like Nick Senzel, who can play third, second, maybe short in a pinch all over the outfield. I think he fits in great as your utility guy next year. And I think that's kind of how you have to bank on him because you can't pencil him in as a starter at this point. It's sad to say, hope he proves me wrong. Tyler Naquin was a guy who was in a similar circumstance last year and 
he showed up and got a full-time job. I think you kind of count on Senzel as a guy like that at that point and hope he proves you wrong and stays healthy enough to. I'm with you. I, I think I, and I've said this before, like I, if they were looking in house, I would hope that Nick Senzel would be the guy who could step up and fill a spot when they need him to. But from a fan's perspective, that's what I'm saying from the leader of the team, from the front office, from the folks who are building this roster. That's not what I want them to be thinking. I don't want them to be hoping for Nick Senzel to be that guy, because you're right. You cannot plan on him to be there and be available. Like hopefully the talents there, but again, that's the word hope and uh, hope's not a strategy. Um, all right, let's, let's end it with this uh, because I see different pictures and things like this on Instagram. Plus you'll live out in a place where this is awesome as a person who likes to get outside and walk around and get out in nature and kind of do a little bit of hiking. You really don't hike in Ohio because you know, it's flat and stuff, but when, what's the last time you went hiking? Uh, tell me a little bit about that and where you're going next. Oh man. Uh, last time I went hiking, I, I lucked into some good October weather, which is tough to do in the high country up here. Um, for instance, last year it snowed two days after Labor Day. Um, so getting getting in the middle of October and still having it be warm enough to be up in the mountains without a foot of snow on the ground was was a plus. So uh, last week I actually ended up in uh, the Holy Cross Wilderness area, which is like south of Eagle, Colorado, like two hours west of here. Um, mm-hmm. Hiked up to Lake Charles and Mystic Island Lake under... Um, under Fool's Peak in the Sawatch Range, which is one of the more pretty areas in the state, one of the more hard to get to spots in the state. It took about 11 and a half round, uh, miles round trip and a couple thousand feet of elevation to get up there. But uh, got that in. It snowed two days after that, after I got back. So that's now under snow. Can't go back probably until May of next year, but one of my favorite spots <laughs> in the state and uh, it was absolutely beautiful. So, um, yeah, try to get up in the mountains as often as I can. It's a, it's a fun opposite of the spectrum from sitting around and watching a lot of baseball all day. Well, that's awesome, Wake. Dude, I appreciate you coming on and talking some Reds with me today. Uh, what, what's going on coming up here at Red Reporter for the offseason, and what can uh, folks look forward to there? Yeah, we're, we're running through the rest of the uh, minor league wrap-ups at the moment, kind of going back through and seeing what happened this year and who did what and where. And um, we're going to be going through uh, some free agent projections here in the coming weeks as well and kind of building towards uh, uh, that 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 fun part of the year when the winter meetings take off and we start finding out what this Reds club is going to do and uh, seeing if any of my idiotic, bold predictions actually come around sounding like they're going to make sense. So. Well, fingers crossed that yes, they will be doing stuff, and we're we're going to be watching it all all the time here at Locked On Reds as well. Uh, Wick, thanks again, and we'll have you on a lot sooner next time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, thanks for having me back. All right, and that's going to do it for us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed here on the YouTube channel and that you're following me on your favorite podcasting app. Locked On Reds is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for making us your first listen.